Khalil Deshan. Khalil serves currently as executive director of the Arab Center, Washington, D.C. They're a new progressive American think tank, and they focus on U.S. foreign policy in the Middle East. He is a long-term Middle East consultant and media commentator. He also has extensive expertise in Arab-American bilateral relations and U.S. policies in the Middle East. And between 2004 and just a couple of years ago in 2013, he served as executive director of Pepperdine University's Washington, D.C. internship program and lecturer in international studies and languages. And prior, he held senior executive positions for 21 years in various national Arab American organizations. More than a pleasure to have back on the show, Khalil Jashan. Khalil, good afternoon and welcome. Uh, Good afternoon, Leslie. Thank you. And thank you for being with us. Always a a pleasure. My pleasure. I I was surprised more people weren't talking about uh, an anniversary. And Mm -hmm. that is today, four years ago today, Muammar Gaddafi was killed in an uprising. And although he was killed four years ago, his legacy as a dictator continues to haunt Libya, a nation, although rich in oil, that still struggles to find its national identity. Question, Uh, Khalil, there are people that say that in hindsight, the United States, in an effort to help those to oust Gaddafi, who ended up killing him in order to oust him, that the United States helped with airstrikes. And that in hindsight, some people say maybe that wasn't such a good idea when we look at what's happened since then uh, in Libya, and that there are many people in Libya who feel in hindsight that the devil they knew perhaps was better than what they're dealing with now. What do you say to that? Well, you know, first of all, uh, with regard to the first part of your question, it's amazing how quickly we forget. And uh, our political memory tends to be very short, particularly, I mean, this is universal, but particularly here in the U.S. Uh, I mean, Gaddafi definitely was uh, a well-known figure for us in the Middle East. Uh, he, he, uh, we kind of clashed with him on several occasions for different reasons, uh, but we kind of quickly forgot about him. Uh, once uh, he has departed uh, the scene. I I fully understand the logic behind the argument uh, that uh, maybe getting rid of people like Saddam Hussein and Gaddafi and and Ben Ali in Tunisia and and, and others uh, uh, has kind of uh, created a vacuum uh, that has come back to haunt us by... uh, uh, so, but but again, uh, my argument is it, it is the issue. The, the problem is not getting rid of these rascals, but uh, the problem is the way we did it. Uh, the fact that it it was abrupt. Uh, we did not do it as a matter of principle for years in terms of uh, uh, opposing, uh, you know, as a matter of principle, their policies, their practices, their authoritarian rule, uh, their lack of respect for human rights. Uh, but suddenly, you know, we, we kind of jumped on the bandwagon and, and decided uh, we need to support uh, democracy, uh, assuming that what we were witnessing on the streets of the Arab world uh, was a democracy. And, and um, we moved in and, and supported that, uh, sometimes peacefully, sometimes not so peacefully, as you referred to raids and so on in Libya. Uh, and uh, that vacuum that was created, uh, was felt by the wrong, the wrong groups, uh, the, the, the groups that uh, now we're stuck with. We don't know how to fight. They are definitely opposed to our national interest. Uh, they are definitely opposed to our foreign policy uh, in, in, in the region. And uh, we seem to be stuck with worse people 
than uh, Gaddafi and, and, and Saddam Hussein. And, and, you know, we got rid of uh, reactionary uh, authoritarian leaders, and, and we ended up with, uh, you know, terrorist groups uh, that, that are uncontrollable. When we look back, and obviously we have no choice but to look back at the uh, constant hearings and question and ads on Benghazi, and we have another one um, of those coming up this week, obviously uh, grilling Hillary Rodham Clinton in mm-hmm. less than 48 hours. Do you think that, and, and obviously you don't have a crystal ball to go forward or back, but do we know enough about those that attacked the embassy compound, and, and is it safe to say that this might not have this might not have happened had we not uh, been so involved with the support of the eventual ouster by death of Gaddafi? little peek behind the curtain at Oz. <laughs> Khalil Jashan is our guest. Unfortunately, the phone lines we had a problem with uh, cut him off, but we are glad to have him back. Khalil Jashan serves currently as executive director of the Arab Center in Washington, D.C., a new progressive American think tank, and they focus on U.S. foreign policy in the Middle East. We're talking about the legacy still haunting Libya, and that is the legacy of Muammar Gaddafi. Four years ago today, he was killed in an uprising there. Uh, Khalil, thank you for holding. Welcome back. I was asking sure. before the break. And obviously, you do not have a crystal ball to look forward nor back. However, is it safe to say that the word Benghazi would not be known or uttered, perhaps, if this man had not been killed in that uprising four years ago? Uh, probably not. And it's kind of unfortunate that, uh, the, the, you know, the word uh, or the name of that city gets uh, politicized here for, for different reasons. Uh, in, in I mean, after after uh, they got rid of, of uh, Gaddafi back in you know 2011, uh, the country fell apart. Uh, it was a small country uh, without institutions. Uh, he kind of created his own form of government. Uh, crazy. I mean, there is no even translation for it in English. He called it a jamahiriya, which was uh, kind of a direct uh, public mob uh, democracy. You know, gone wild. Uh, version of governance, and and the country fell apart. And as as it fell apart, there were all kinds of groups that emerged to fill that vacuum. They were from extreme right to extreme left. There were Islamist groups uh, that uh, belonged to traditional uh, Muslim Brotherhood version, if you will, and there were uh, newer versions known as Ansar al-Sharia and, and others uh, who participated in in that riot riot at the Benghazi. Uh, facility there at the con- our consulate uh, there, and uh, so this whole confusion got uh, you know in a way mixed with the domestic political uh, game that was being played here uh, in Congress with regards to actually what happened there, and and we kind of lost track, if you will, uh, in terms of the public uh, uh, understanding uh, of of these events and and. Uh, that confusion remains today, four years later. When we look back at Gaddafi, would you say it's accurate that his legacy still haunts Libya, and if so, how? 
Uh, definitely. His legacy still haunts Libya. Libya has not been able, you know, Libya was a Humpty Dumpty, and it, it fell uh, off the wall when, when he was assassinated. And it hasn't been, uh, nobody has been able to put it together again. Uh, so right now what you have is uh, instead of this one country ruled by an authoritarian uh, strongman, uh, Gaddafi, uh, now you have basically five or six countries. You, you have one government in uh, Tobruk uh, on the uh, Egyptian uh, border. Uh, Tobruk uh, government is the one that's recognized by the international community, by the U.S. and the West and so on. It is supported by different par parties on the outside, including the U.S. indirectly, but most directly in the region by Egypt and the United Arab Emirates. Uh, uh, it is uh, protected by a military leader who served under Qaddafi, uh, Khalifa Hassar, who is a graduate of McLean, Virginia. I leave the implication <laughs> to you, to uh, <laughs> the reference to you here. Uh, but he, uh, you know, basically that, that's one form of government. Then on the opposite side of the country, you have the General National Congress. It's a, a kind of an Islamist form of government in Tripoli, the capital, which is about a, one million plus uh, people, almost one-sixth of the population of the country, uh, more commonly known today as Libyan Dawn and so on. It's supported by Qatar, Sudan, Turkey. Uh, and other countries that more, are more sympathetic to uh, the Muslim Brotherhood. Then you get the Islamic Shura Council and Ansar al-Sharia. Uh, in the middle, those are the people who probably participated, at least allegedly, in the uh, mob action that ended up with the killing of our diplomat uh, in, in Benghazi. Uh, you got uh, the Islamic State of Iraq, you know, more recently, that ISIS. Uh, most people are familiar with that, uh, that has spread and, and formed its own version in Libya to fill another part of the vacuum. And then you got a whole bunch of other uh, local uh, groups, uh, either ethnic, like the Tuareg militias in the southern uh, western part of the country, or up uh, toward, uh, Libya, uh, toward Tripoli uh, on the Mediterranean. You got the Misrata local militias and, and a bunch of others. So you have six. The country was split into six countries. So the fact that Gaddafi decentralized the, the country, the government, to, to kind of control it at his whim, uh, that prevented the country from being put together. So his legacy, yes, continues to hunt Libya because of that. And, and we haven't been able, uh, the West, the East, uh, Arab countries, and domestically within Libya, none of these forces have been able to control the country and to govern it. This is, like many uh, Middle East countries, Libya, a largely uh, tribal nation. But before we talk mm -hmm. about that, I, I want to go back. And one thing that uh, Gaddafi did, even though it's, uh, e even though Gaddafi uh, is, is viewed to have been, like you said, there are different relationships with the United States. There are positive ones and negative ones. But he was very smart in something that he did, if you want to be a dictator, which he was, and that was he funded his military with money that he made with oil. And he paid them so well that any opposition to himself would be crushed. There were no state institutions built. And therefore, it was almost like he set it into motion that nothing could you know, uh, survive beyond him. And that it could take, as we're seeing right now, several years, if not decades, for this country to recreate itself and to recreate a national identity. Yes. 
Uh, you're right uh, in, in referring to the fact that he did not allow for, you know, political institutions to exist in the country, uh, no political parties in, in, in the modern sense of the word. Uh, he allowed only what he called the popular committees, popular councils, uh, people's congresses to, to emerge, emerge. And he felt all these uh, kind of pseudo-institutions with his own cronies. Now, you're right that the military was kind of a, a strong, had a strong presence in, in the country, but even that was not institutionalized in the traditional sense of a typical military institution. Uh, he uh, decentralized that. He, he, uh, his, his form of corruption and nepotism uh, controlled uh, the military cousins, brothers, you know, nephews, uh, sons uh, were in charge of all these different institutions. I, I think what you refer to is the fact that he spent a lot of money in buying weapons for that military, but most of it wasn't even used. I mean, even today, the, the, the warehouses in Libya are the main source of illegal smuggling of weapons uh, to terrorist groups throughout the region, uh, mostly uh, being sold across the border uh, with Egypt, like in Sinai, uh, and and uh, traveling even all the way to 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 Syria, uh, he was not even able to use the huge quantities of weapons that he packed in his military warehouses. Um, last but not least, uh, just because of time, um, what what do you want? Uh, any prediction or anything that you want our listeners to come away with and and to be mindful of going forward, or maybe a mention of ISIS and how they've taken advantage of the chaos in Libya. Uh, definitely. I mean, in politics uh, 101, we, we as students in college, you learn that uh, you can't leave, uh, in, in politics, you can't leave a vacuum. You leave a vacuum uh, uh, kind of at your own risk. Uh, it gets filled usually by a party that's not to your liking. And that's what has happened in, in, the, in these countries. We kind of didn't know how to react to, to the what was called the Arab Spring early on, we jumped on the bandwagon and say, yes, this leader got to go, this leader got to go. And we never really thought out uh, the process of who is going to fill uh, that vacuum. Our situation would be a lot better had we been involved, again, as a matter of principle in, in, in those uh, 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 principles that we have. We advocate anyway in our foreign policy interests. We, we listen, but we never adhere to them, like uh, democracy, respect for civil rights respect for human rights. So if we leave that up to the whim of the street, uh, up to the mob, when, when they rise out of frustration, you cannot control the process. But if we commit to them more seriously, I think uh, we would be more, or the, the, the emerging situation would be more, not only to our liking, but more importantly than that, to the liking of the local population. Okay. And, and lastly, now I have a minute. My apologies. I thought it was one. It was two. Um, uh, quickly, we hear about ISIS in Syria and Iraq, not as much in Libya, but they truly have a presence there as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they actually uh, it took the same name, Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant, you know, ISIS. And, and they added Libyan province to it, the way they have done in the Gulf, the way they have done in Yemen, the way they have done. So it's a, it's a franchise. 
All right. Thank you for being with us. Always a pleasure, Khalil. Khalil Jashan, currently serving as executive director of the Arab Center in Washington, D.C. That's a new progressive American think tank. They focus on U.S. foreign policy in the Middle East. Follow him on Twitter at NAZ548, N-A-Z-548. And the website for the Arab Center is ArabCenterWA.org. Quick break. When we come back, guest number two in this hour. Don't go.